Welcome to episode 731 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 731 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and you? Well, I'm really good as well. We are, we, we've had technical problems this morning. Mm. So we normally have this little device called a Zoom, and it's a pretty high-end recording device for our audio. Uh, but cables have let us down today. They haven't And we didn't have backup cables. So, well, we do actually, but the backup cable died as well. So John's recording on a Zoom. I'm recording on GarageBand, so fingers crossed, this sounds okay. Fingers are crossed. We're living in a dark, dark world, John. Mm. A dark, dark world. I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... You can. A sports nutrition that gives you longer-lasting energy without the spike and crash of sugar. And our fantastic patrons. And you can go first, Jumbo. George, Mr. Madman Mad Gray. And we've got Alistair Speed Feet Fleet. And Mr. Detention, Paul Dean. Do you know what's really bizarre, John? I'm used to having those ears in, so I hear you a lot louder. Mm. Yeah, whereas in the room it doesn't sound as loud. You're, you're welcome to my world. <laughs> okay, in this week's show we've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got an interview. We've got, definitely got an interview, but we can't reveal what it is right now. It's a surprise. Because we actually, we're meant to have an interview with one person, and they haven't turned up, but we've got a backup interview which could be a pretty great interview as well. Uh, product reviews into two weeks in a row, John. This is... Uncharted territory, Bevan. Uncharted territory. Unch- two weeks in a row. Uncharted territory. Uh, and then winger of the week, questions and answers at the end, including John's, he's even put in the show notes, including John's Tuesday swim set. Great swim this morning. Oh. Shared the love with the goggles, shared them to Tyrone. He had a bit of a chance to... Was Tyrone swim. happy? He was happy, yep. Good pacing. It's good times. It's interesting. I think you're speaking quieter because you've got your ears in. It's bloody noisy in my ears. Well, you can turn it down. Turn down to the side there. There's a little volume okay. button. Great podcasting. Yeah, yep. turn oh, it yep. down a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah, volume's down. Yeah, because you always sound like a whisperer. 58, 48. Yeah, that's all right. 48. That's all right. Okay, the big news that's happened over the weekend, guys, is that Ironman Taupo 70.3 World Championships is going ahead, but not till 2022. Pretty exciting stuff that they've kept it on, John. Yeah, Taupo. 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 Too poor, too poor, too well, yeah, poor. Even us Kiwis can't pronounce it correctly. Uh, but one change they have made is that the date's going to be slightly later. So it was originally going to be uh, in November, sort of last, the second to last week of November. I pushed it back a couple of weeks, so it's now going to be on December the 11th and uh, 10th and 11th, 2022. So next year is going to be in St George, and the year after is going to be in Taupo, which is... Uh, it's going to be good. It's going to come down to New Zealand. The, the advantage by having a couple of weeks later, it, it's only a couple of weeks, but the, it's just given the lake just that few weeks to warm up. Uh, and I guess why, if you why, want to come for a... Why sorry? did they do that the first time? Um, probably just to fit in slightly closer with the Northern Hemisphere season, I guess. Um, Is but it a yeah, little bit too late for Kona people? Um, anything's too late when you go once you've done Kona and you've got to try to get up again for 70.3 it's going to be a bit of a challenge so I'd be surprised if you see huge numbers of Kona people come down but we'll we'll wait and see some people can just keep on going year round um, but yeah if you want to come down to extended holiday in New Zealand come down at the start of December have the whole month off have Christmas New Year's down here don't be in the snow at home have a whole month in New Zealand yeah, well, to be honest, John, when's St. George meant to happen? It's, is it before Kona next year or after Kona next year? I'm sure, I don't know off the top of my head, but I assume it'll be that sort of normal, you know, September-ish. roughly five to six weeks before Kona. 
just what you know we're talking about is kind of going to happen next year at the stages it's it's anyone any man's guess but could this really be the first world championship we're going to see in a couple of years? No, it comes happening next year, Bevan. Oh, I've right. said this. John's I've said it before. It. Right. Why do we keep bringing this up? It's yeah. happening next year. You've confirmed it. Okay, guys. Uh, the other piece of news is that some races in 2021 are starting to be cancelled. And as we were talking about with Taupo a few weeks ago, it seems... Taupo. Taupo, sorry. Taupo. Taupo. It's Aotearoa as well. It's not... We used to say Aotearoa. Aotearoa. Got to get our pronunciation right. John Hancock will probably uh, kick our pants for, for not getting pronunciation right. Probably still haven't got it right, but... Yeah, we've got, to, we've got to sharpen up too our poor. skills. Too poor. Okay, too poor. So we did wonder why the race didn't happen. I know it wasn't going to be World Championship this year, but we did wonder why the race in Too Poor didn't happen this year because we're sure enough Kiwis could get to that race to make it a race. So yeah, it's, uh, our race is scheduled to happen in December and they've cancelled it already, 70.3 only. Ironman still looks like it's going ahead in March next year. Be, they're advertising the crap out of it, so you'd be surprised if it doesn't. But yeah, it was a bit of a head-scratcher for us. Why are they not running a race in December when Kiwis are free to travel? There's no social distancing, anything like that. So it really seemed to me like more of a business decision and uh, good old Brent Chan backed that up when he sent over an email saying the Victoria 70.3 in Canada for next year has been cancelled. And you know, that's a long way off uh, so for them to cancel at this stage is it a health decision or is it a business decision and then, then we get emails like every flipping two days at the moment with races that are being cancelled yeah. um, from Ironman and then they rolled off Ocean Oceanside 70.3 which is normally like the end of March start of April 2021 uh, and that has also been cancelled and you kind of wonder if they're just going to keep keep doing this and focus um you know, maybe reduce the number of events, maybe that can help them reduce their overheads, their staffing, and uh, and just try to weather the storm. Um, so I actually, whilst it sucks that races are, are getting cancelled, um, I think it's a really good opportunity for... The Oxman. The Oxman for me, and for, and for other event organisers that have maybe been struggling with their, you know, their traditional sort of local half Ironman everybody's sort of going further afield and instead of going to your local Vancouver 70.3 you know they go over to the, uh, say the same Vancouver there's a half Ironman that's been around for 20 years numbers are dwindling because everybody's going to the Ironman branded 70.3 in Victoria uh, and now I think it's a real opportunity for those event organisers to actually try to claw back some of the people that, that are sort of uh, junkies for the branded races so there's always a silver lining there is a silver lining there and, and I totally agree that. But at the same time, should we be upset with Iron Man that they're pulling off races which, sure they're a business and sure they need to make profit, but I guarantee if you put on Topo uh, this year, I was going to say Tekapo, uh, that'd be a pretty cold race, wouldn't it? Um, if you put on Topo this year, they'd get enough people to make, you, you to make, make you some to, to, make, to break even anyway, yeah. and, that's, and that's what you kind of expect from these businesses that have been raping and pillaging us for years. Raping <laughs> and pillaging us. <laughs> and making huge amounts of profit. Uh, is just go, hey, give us a chance here. Maybe you don't, you don't make any money, but at least you break even, but just keep, you know, look after your customers. Maybe it's a slightly lesser race, and I get it, they've got a brand, they've got to maintain all the rest of it, but, you know, you might not get as much in your prize pack, you might not, you know, mm. whatever those, those extra bits. But isn't there a job to put the races on if they can be on? I agree, I agree. Um, obviously huge amounts of uncertainty, but for the New Zealand, if we take New Zealand as an example, barring catastrophe, there's no problems whatsoever. I get it, everywhere else, rescheduling races at the moment, you don't know what's around the corner, but uh, hmm, I, I agree. I think they should be putting races on um, when there's a reasonable amount of certainty that things should yeah, be okay. Yeah, and, and now admittedly, at this moment in the world, there's not many places that can happen, but New Zealand 
is an example where that can happen. So um, it'll be interesting to watch this next period of time to see what happens with races. John, we had uh, some virtual racing happening over the weekend and we, looked like it was pretty close racing. We did. So another round of the virtual reality series uh, for the pros. They swim 500. Uh, this week they were doing the 40-kilometre bike. I think they were in Frankfurt, I think, uh, and then a three-kilometre run. Uh, and again, as per previous weeks, this uh, we've sort of got... You know, second and third tier athletes, some of who have achieved some really good things, others I've had never heard of before in my life. So I think you, we had this little debate last week. I think it's great for these athletes to get a little bit of exposure. Uh, and they are getting prize money too. Yep, and just for us to, yeah, at least we're, we're talking about it, and, and people who are watching their races are seeing them, so good chance for these athletes to get their names out there. Uh, on the female side, we had Katrina Matthews from uh, GBR, so Great Britain, swam 6.40, biked 58.58, and ran a 9.42. Uh, okay, I'm just uh, getting some information through on my email about uh, the rest of our show. She oh. took it out by a pretty close race, 32, 33 seconds back to Anne Reichman from Deutschland and Carolyn Lederde from also from Germany, uh, four minutes back. So, yeah, never, uh, no disrespect to Katrina Matthews, um, never heard of her before in my life. Went on to one of my websites that I look up uh, athletes and uh, only found one result for her. Uh, she finished fourth at Ironman Western Australia. She went 8.53.59 on debut in a pro race. Well, that's, that's pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. Um, but the reason I couldn't find too much out about her is uh, she's been married and her previous name was Katrina Rye. Um, she's from Great Britain and she's fairly recently joined up with the um, the BMC team over in Europe and she's had a pretty quick rise to the top. Uh, so she only started racing a couple of years ago, uh, started you know, just giving it a crack and then she's moved up to, she got a gold medal at the ETU Middle Distance European Championships um, when she started in the elites and then uh, yeah, went straight on to finish fourth in Ironman Western Australia. So uh, fairly rapid rise to the top uh, and yes she took up triathlon 2015 starting at the grassroots doing sprints and standard distance having raced and Hamilton lever for the world champs she got fifth overall I decided to step up the middle distance the following season and uh, she went to Calgary 70.3 where she took the overall win god those people annoy you we've, we've, we often say this they just come on and rock in no, no particular background by the look of it, and uh, just comes in and spanks out an 8.53 um, a couple of years into her career. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Mm. That's pretty awesome. And what happened to boys racing, guys? So boys racing, um, we had Denny, I've got to say, the run times are impressive um, that some of these dudes are pumping out. Denny Chevreau from France, he took it out, he swam a 5.40 for the 500 metres, that's not too shabby, uh, biked 52.49 and then had a 8, 8 minutes and 31 seconds for 3k, uh, 20 seconds only in front of Elliot Bach who spanked the bike, uh, we're at 51.45 um, but another fast time in there as well was from Jason West from the States, he ran an 8.34, finished in 4th place but yeah, some fast run times and uh, close racing, only 20 seconds in it and essentially we often say this, you can't, um, often can't win a race in the swim but you can lose it and in this case Elliot Bach was 22 seconds behind Denny Chevro mm. in the uh, swim and he lost by 20 seconds. So in theory, you can say he lost it in this one. So interestingly, John, if you look at the, um, the entries and the participants and the finishes, less than 40% of the field actually finish a race. So is that because they didn't turn up? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think so. so there's again, lots of people signing up and not so many actually, actually doing the race. If we look at some of the age group categories, I'm going to start with the females 35 to 39. I've got Sarah Donath from the US, uh, Eva Varian from Germany, and then Shauna Kip, Kip, Keller. And now she, I think she won a couple of weeks ago, actually, uh, from the USA. And in the men's, we have, let me have a look here. Nick Kosman is back on top. Yep, and uh, then Brian Willing, and then Joseph Shields. Um, I will say, and I did a quick, a very quick fact check on uh, the females, because often we're giving our Filipino friend, who, yeah. whose name isn't in the results this week. However, I did go back and look at last week's, and his name is still on the results for last week uh-huh. as winning overall, and it was just a joke. There's no way he won it. So I thought I'd do a quick check on this uh, Penela Johanna, who was from Argentina, took out the overall honours on the female side. She went 156.02, and when I checked out her results, uh, when she's raced in Argentina, she's pretty much won uh, all the 70.3s she's done. Um, so how she's it did, however, it did seem when she goes offshore, she absolutely crumbles and races really poorly. So, mm. um, But she looked like she was the goods. Uh, so I'll have a quick look. Well, uh, you didn't look at Okay, I've gone 55 to 59. I've got Mike uh, McManus from the US. We've got George Buffington, and then we've got Theodore Casterline from the US, all from the US. Podium finishes from the US. And then in the female side of things, in the 55 to 59 category, we have Kirsten Plant. We have, uh, from Canada, Liz I'm going to say Cutshire, and then Jill Wilson from the States. And, okay, hold on. Uh, I'm just looking at the males 40 to 44. Shane Walsh took it out in 147.10 from Ireland, uh, and, and then he had three Americans behind him, Chris Phillips, Carlo Tenori, and Jay Cugnay. So, yeah, there we go. Lastly, in the 18 to 24 category, there were no female races. In the men's, we had three finishes, and it was Joe Langford, uh, Damien, I'm going to say, Skukowski, and then Callum Cooper from Great Britain. So there you go, John. That was the virtual racing that happened over the last weekend. Yeah, so 456 finishes, basically 1,100 signed up. So they get about 40% of the field turning up to the race. Uh, you want me to pause? You want me to stop? We have to push stop on your thing. Uh, stop. No, push stop. <laughs> okay, stop. Okay, we are back, and John, coming up this weekend, we're not going to be having Umbra Man. Was it meant to be this weekend anyway? It was meant to be some stage in the next the week. Battle. They don't have it at the, at, on a weekday. They have it on a weekday. Um, so they had a court case to try to get it upheld, um, and because I talked about this race several weeks ago, it was all go, it was all go, it was all go, and then uh, the authority said, no, nah, you're not having it, and they took them to court, and they failed, and so Umbra Man is not off, which is a real bummer. But it does look like there are going to be some races, but it's hard to know which Ironman is going to be happening, but Challenge Davos looks like it's going to be on at the end of the month and it looks like it's going to be a pretty rock star field job. It is. So, uh, yeah, Keenlay, Reef, McNam- uh, David McNamee, Imogene Simons, Laura Phillip, they're all on the start list on tryrating.com and there has been some racing in that neck of the woods. So, fingers crossed, we can see some pros out there doing it. John's ITU update. We've got the Super League coming up and it looks like uh, Anne Hag and Gomez are going to be in there. They've added this in, so they've now sort of finalised their field. So, 10 males, 10 females racing indoor they're going to be swimming inside in Rotterdam and then biking on Zwift and running on Zwift on treadmills so I'm just really interested I'm going to keep bringing this up each week because I think it could be really cool they're going to be racing is it going to be live on the internet? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yep, it's and just whether or not they have spectators. We discussed this last week. I what don't know. What time of day in New Zealand? Uh, middle of the night. So I think it's between one and three p.m. over there on. Going to uh, get up live and watch it. Sorry. Have you ever got? What's the latest you've got up and watched sport? Or like, have you done the middle of the night thing? Not really. I think I've done it once, maybe for a Rugby World Cup final, but that's about it. I'm not that. I'm not committed enough, Bevan. I've done it a few times for mm. rugby. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've gotten up. I've got, like when we won the Super Rugby Canterbury and Oven in South Africa, I got up early and watched that. Okay. I did it for the 95 World Cup, which we lost. Mm. Although I just stayed up drinking all night. Yeah, no, I think I did drinking. that one. Yep, yeah, that, that was a big one. Um, so it's going to be over the triple mix format. So they do like a super sprint race and then they have a short break, then they do another one, have a short break and then they do another one. And the results of the three individual races will combine to determine the overall winner. So you can have Brownlee in there, you can have Richard Murray, uh, Schomburg, and then uh, they've added Gomez in there as well. And then on the females, as Bevan said, uh, joining Cassandra Bogrand and Rachel Klamer, um will be Anne Haug. I don't think she'll be super competitive. She used to be... A, absolute axe on the world circuit she was uh, real dominant for a couple of seasons but uh, it takes kind of a pretty well-rounded athlete to do very uh, well in these events um, because she's not a weapon swimmer she's she's a great biker but not not somebody who's going to break away I think if they had uh, Lucy Charles in there she might spice things up a little bit a little bit weaker in the run um, so I'm yeah surprised not surprised uh, she's not really a short course athlete but it would have been cool to see her in there uh, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. August the twenty third, one to three pm Central European time. Will it be broadcast on TV? Yes, depending on where you live. We'll announce further details in race week. Prize money? Yes, there's prize money. They don't say how much, but there is prize money, and uh, they've got those big rich billionaire Russians backing it. So I'm sure they'll be looking after the athletes. Okay, John. Last week's discussion was how would you want to your triathlon community describe you as a person and as an athlete? And I'm going to go Stephanie. I'm going to say Minard. Uh, seriously, doing a triathlon thing without taking himself too seriously. Oh, sorry, Stefan. Not Stephanie. Yeah. Uh, seriously, doing a tri that triathlon thing without taking himself too seriously and hopefully able to pass along to the young squad that I'm coaching in my tri club. That's nice. Jane Anderson, beaten by even the 14-year-old girls at club events, but did do eight Ironmans in two years. Eight nice. in two years? That's, That's crazy. Effort. That's cray-cray. Uh, Mark Funky Brewster's got uh, the big diesel engine who was a great race announcer slash commentator. Every club needs one of those. And Teddy Shul, the guy who was stronger than his body wanted to give. Nice, good old Tom Somerville's almost as fast as John Newsom. He says that in jest. He's a faster runner than me. He's a faster biker than me. I think I could uh, take him down the swim. So we'll. Uh, so who wins the race? We're a triathlon show, mate. Well, if 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 we're uh, how much can you take If down we're both swim? racing to our potential, he'd spank me every time. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll have to have a little bit of a duel somewhere, Tom. We'll take you down at the uh, we'll take you on at the Lake Crichton series. Oh, this summer. is a nice one. Good old um, David Lee Fletcher, an inspiration who gave people with illness hope. And then Craig Lane's got Dave Lee, uh, Dave Lee Fletcher. I'd say a legend. I wasn't too hopeful of a huge amount of responses. Serious people pouring their hearts out on this one, Bevan, when you when you announced it last week. But this week's one is going to be gold. Well, I reckon we're going to get less than. <laughs> oh, this was gold. I was discussing. There's not many answers to have. Sorry. But we'll go there. We'll go, go there. Um, so I was discussing this with Felicity the other day when we were walking down to the shops. I said, um, I said, what do you wear now that you said you'd never wear? And I gave the example compression socks for me when people started wearing compression socks I was saying you look like idiots uh, what are you doing wearing them you look like goobers uh, I wear compression socks fairly regularly now so what did you look at uh, see people using going I'm never going to use that and you use it now okay there we go that's this week's discussion on the show notes John let's have a look at what's next we've got an interview coming up great little interview we did before tell people about it because we now can confirm who it is yeah Michael Smith so we, it's the first time we've ever actually recorded on Zoom we know everybody around the world uses Zoom we normally use Skype uh, and we both had Zoom challenges uh, at our end at Michael's end as well yep. um, but we got there in the end and it's worth it because he's bloody entertaining so here comes uh, Michael Smith alright here we go right now 
Right, guys, uh, today's interview is kindly brought to you courtesy of UCAN, and we're going to be talking to Michael, the dream catcher. The dream catcher. Uh, he's done four Ironman events and six half Ironmans, um, but the interesting part about that is he's done, done that as an above-the-elbow amputee. Uh, he's also the first ever amputee to be granted active duty status in the US military, uh, and he's been active in the Black Lives Matter. So welcome along to the show, Michael. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So t tell us a bit about yourself in terms of, um, you know, wh where you're from and, and I guess before you had your accident, um, tell us, you know, wh where life was kind of heading for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm originally from uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, grew up playing just, I guess, the traditional sports, track and field, basketball, and football. Um, went to college for a little bit and decided to join the army. Um, was in the army, did a couple of combat tours. Um, yeah, just, I mean, a very, I guess to me, a very mediocre, not mediocre, but very normal, uh, lifestyle, just doing the army thing and taking care of my family and, uh, yeah, still trying to play a, a little bit of, uh, college basketball here and there when I could. And yeah. And then I had my, um, accident, um, which, changed my life uh forever you know so uh so, yeah. so t tell us about your accident and what what happened because um i know and, and we've seen this before um i saw a comment on your your website or, or on facebook somewhere saying it was you know losing your arm was the best thing that ever happened to you um so tell us about obviously your accident and then how life changed in the short term um and what you had to battle through and then obviously in the long term how it's kind of panned out Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so back in 2011, um, you know, coming off a combat tour, I was stationed in Nashville, Tennessee as a uh, army recruiter. Um, and just one particular Saturday night, I was on a, on my motorcycle with a couple of friends and, you know, just cruising along, not doing anything reckless or foolish. And um, yeah, I saw this car coming uh, in my peripheral and, um, I noticed that the lady was texting because it was at nighttime so I could see the glare in her phone. And, you know, just motorcycle safety, I revved my engine and my horn and it, it kind of startled her. And uh, I assumed at that point that, you know, she would get off her phone and pay attention to do what she was doing, but clearly she didn't. And uh, I must, like, I can only assume that she got back on her phone because she ended up hitting me. And when she hit me, it threw me over the guardrail into oncoming traffic. And another vehicle came and struck my arm and it severed my arm right there on the spot. So, yeah, um, I was awake for the entire thing. It was just, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. Um, I tried to by saying uh, it was the fastest and the slowest moment of my life. Mm. Um, it was just like when I was, when I was hit, it was, I, I kind of saw, I saw it coming. I was hit. Um, and it's like, I was, I, as I was twirling over the guardrail on the highway, uh, into oncoming traffic, I saw the car that was going to hit me. And the next thing I know, I was like waking up. Mm, wow. Um, I was waking up to, uh, car horns and things of that nature, uh, honking, I guess at the accident or whatever the case was. And, um, just bits and flashes were like super fast and super slow. Um, the one slow moment that I remember is that there was a young lady who stopped uh, 
and literally saved my life. Uh, she happened to be a Navy corpsman, which is essentially she's a, a nurse for the Navy. But uh, I mean, if you know anything about Tennessee, like there's no water in Tennessee. So uh, <laughs> why she it was just it was just a freak of nature. She just happened to be at home, be home on leave. And um, yeah, she was just at the right place at the right time. And yeah, she literally saved my life. And, you know, I like I, I to this day, I don't I don't even know who she is or where she was or where she went. But, um, you know, I, I owe this lady everything because, you know, she she's the reason why I'm, I'm here today. You know, her and, you know, the great guy, you know, of course, he put her in, in my path. So, um, mm. yeah. But like you said, I, little did I know at that particular time, man, that was that that moment where I thought I was checking out ended up being like the best thing that could have ever possibly happened to me in my life. Like it, it just, you know, they say it takes, it takes something, uh, it takes tragedy or something, um, something like that happening to yourself or somebody close to you for you to realize, you know, who you are, what's going on and for you to realize that you need to make a change. And that's kind of what that situation was for me. Can you, can you describe who you were before that moment and what change you needed to make? Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, when I say that, so I'm, I definitely wasn't a, a bad guy or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, I just wasn't in tune with everything around me like I am now, meaning like I was only I was just about my family and that's it. Um, I wasn't about the sport of triathlon like I I was just about my family. Um, of course, you know, serving my country. Um, and that's, that's the extent, like I always call it keeping up with the Joneses. Like I was just worried about what my family had compared to the next and trying to live the best life that I could. And it was all about the, the physical and the financial, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, like I, said, I didn't mistreat anybody or anything like that. Uh, but I definitely wasn't very aware of my surroundings and what was going on. And just, I wasn't being the best version of myself. Mm. Nice. And so um, you mentioned obviously triathlon and, and this is a triathlon show. How did, how did right. you go from where you were there, obviously losing your arm to actually becoming a, a triathlete? So what's your sort of path between then and, and where you are now? Man. So coincidentally, like me being from Texas, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up swimming. And my experience with bike with bikes, you know, cycling period was like little BMX bikes messing around in the neighborhood. Um, that was my experience. I mean, I tell people all the time, I didn't even know how to swim until after I lost my arm. Um, and even then, I learned on YouTube. Uh, it was just something I wanted to learn to to recover from my injury. You know, health, swimming is just super remarkable. It's just healthy as it is. So. Um, and I've always been told, like, swimming, you know, you use every muscle in your body from your toes to your fingertips. And I quickly found that out as I began that journey. But um, I actually was on the national, uh, the USA national team for skeleton bobsledding. Um, I was on the skeleton team. And that's, that was my introduction into triathlon, coincidentally. Um, I was in Dallas, Texas, back at home training, um, for an upcoming World Cup race. And a friend of mine uh, who did triathlons called me and was like, hey, Scott Rigsby, he's a he's a double leg amputee. Mm. He called me and was like, hey, Mike, man, um, I know you're like this crazy athlete and you're on the national team. He was like, 
you're probably the only person I know that could like come do a relay with me right now. And I was like, yeah, man. Well, like, what kind of relay? He's like triathlon. In my head, I'm thinking like, okay, I, I, I've been swimming for a little while now. I'm a natural runner. Um, I love cycling. I had picked up the sport of cycling to the point where I was cycling at like across country. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, what do you want me to do? I was like, I'll do anything but swim. So if you need me to, <laughs> you need me to bike and run, I got you. But if you need me to swim, we're going to be in trouble. We need to find a third person. <laughs> so um, he was like, yeah, man, uh, just come to Augusta, Georgia. I'll pay for everything. You know, it's, it's going to be with a nonprofit. You're good to go. Great. So I, I pack my bike, my running shoes and everything. I get on a flight, go to Augusta, Georgia. Um, the two nights before the actual race. So we're walking around the Ironman uh, venue. Mind you, I didn't even know what an Ironman was. I had no idea. Like, this is how clueless I am to the triathlon world. So we're walking around, like, the, the setup that they have at the Ironmans and looking at different stuff. And people are, like, asking me, like, oh, are you going to race? And I'm like, yeah, they're just like, oh, that's crazy. That's amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, we're just going to triathlon. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But whatever. All right. So two days before, we're walking around. And Scott comes to me. He was like, hey, Mike, so – yeah, uh, the person that was supposed to be doing the swim uh, can't make it. I was like, okay, what, why are you telling me? You better find somebody. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I was like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever seen this thing uh, that black people don't really swim like that. <laughs> I'm one of those black people. I can't swim, man. I can swim, but I can't swim this distance that y'all are asking for. <clears throat> so we'll walk on the venue, and they stopped. They was like, hey, Mike. Here's a wetsuit company. Try on a wetsuit. I was like, <laughs> I'm not swimming. Like, it's not going to happen. And so they pulled the whole, like, oh, you're already here. Uh, you, you, you know how to swim. You just haven't done it this distance. And then one of the guys who thought this was so funny, he goes, well, you know, Mike, they've never found somebody at the bottom of a lake or a river with a wetsuit on. I was just like, what? Like, why would you even mention that to me? I don't, yeah, that's crazy. And that was that was the opposite of motivation for me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I tried on a way. I tried it on anyway, and I kept telling him, I was like, listen, man, I'll, I'll do what I have to do, but you guys, y'all better find somebody else. I'm going to be the first black person ever to float on their back the entire way or doggy paddle. I'm not, not going to do it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, the day of the race, I didn't even, like, try to swim in the wetsuit because I was adamant on not doing it. The day of the race, they come to me, or that morning, it was like three o'clock in the morning. They was like, yeah, man, you got to do it. I was like, man, you know what, whatever. I'm fine. Fine, I'll do it. I was like, but I'm only swimming and doing a bike. They was like, yes, cool. So I put on my shirt, shorts, and I'm going through trans. Like, we're walking down to the venue. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm nervous. I can't even eat. I'm so mad, and I'm so nervous. So, And, and, you're doing, and the distance you're doing is an Ironman. Yeah, this is the, uh, the Augusta 70.3. I see with her. Okay, great. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm standing at the dock. Um, my there's like teammates around me that that's with the nonprofit. They think it's so funny because I'm like almost in tears because I'm like, man, this is not gonna work out. <laughs> you got bad friends, mate. I tell you. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. I survived war. I survived like losing an arm. I survived kidney failure, and now I'm about to die in water in front of everybody. This is dumb. 
Like, this is the dumbest thing ever. So anyway, like, they, the horn sounds, we get in the water, and yeah, I just remember, like, I felt like I was going to, like, I've never had on a wetsuit, and that compression against my chest, I was hyperventilating. Um, there was, like, four kayaks around me at all times. Um, from, like, the very, from the very, very start, I don't know if somebody told them that this was my first time, and I've never literally done this or even practiced for this, or the guys were just like, uh, we got a black dude in the water. We need to surround ourselves with him because he's not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that's what, what it was. But, um, needless to say, man, like I got to the end. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just so happy to get to the end that when I got out of the water, I just shot through transition. Like I was just running. And uh, one of the, the guys that was going to, you know, that was there waiting for me, he was like, hey, slow down, calm down. He's like, you still got a bike to do. And I was like, man, I'm gonna crush this bike. It's only 56 miles. Like, that's my background. I got this. I got on the bike, take off, come back to trans, like do the 56, no problem. I'm hydrating, I'm nutrition, come back to transition. I'm thinking I'm done. And the team captain comes to me and was like, hey, did you bring your running shoes? I was like, yeah, why? And he was like, man, Scott is like blistering up or something was going on with him and he can't run right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, man, y'all are killing me right now. This is not like I didn't fly halfway across the U.S. to like do a full race. And I was like, what are the distances? Because y'all never told me what the distances were. I'm just here to support. Yeah. So I take off. I was like pissed off again. I'm running. Like people are cheering me on. Like there's like, you know, like it's rare that you see a guy missing a limb doing a Ironman. Let, I mean, doing a half Ironman, let alone a triathlon period. So I'm running, people are cheering me on. I'm not even acknowledging anybody. I feel like flipping people off, like I'm just that <laughs> mad. Um, I get like eight miles into the uh, race and then here he comes from like out of nowhere, from like behind a bush and was like, I can, I can take it from here. I was like, nah, bro, I can't, I can't give it to you. I'm sorry, I'm gonna finish the whole thing. It's like, you think you just gonna pop from behind a bush? Continue <laughs> the race? No, sir, no, sir. So I ended up doing like a whole, I ended up doing a 70.3, uh, not ever training for it, not ever really knowing what a triathlon was um, until I got to Augusta. And that was my introduction. But I just remember of that feeling of crossing the finish line, of feeling so accomplished. Like, once again, uh, I'm an emotional guy. So like tears are rolling down my face. People are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, why is he crying? It's only a 70.3. But like nobody knew the backstory. And I was just so excited that um, I called my uh, my national team coach and I was like, hey man, I just did a, a half Ironman. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, this is, I know it's crazy. He's like, well, you need to get home and get rested. Cause literally I have like a world cup race in like Canada uh, coming up soon or coming up in a couple of months. So um, yeah. I, accomplished and i remember telling people like man i think i want to do this sport and they was like yes yeah, i mean there's ironman triathlons like all over the world like all over the country it's easy to get into and i was like no i don't think you understand like that was so hard for me that i think that i want to do this in place of like skeleton and they was like there's no like why why would you do that you're already on the national team and i was like yeah but because it's so hard like i literally i made the national team in less than a year and it was so easy for me. Yep. So, um, and at this particular time, like people were like 
flying off the track and dying and people was getting paralyzed. And um, we went to a World Cup race and one of the guys flew off the track, wrapped himself around the tree. I think he was from the UK and um, he he passed away. Mm. So like it was it was a really easy call for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really easy call for me to say, you know what? I'm already missing an arm. I feel like I don't want to lose. <laughs> so I think I'll be okay with this decision. So what's your, what's your, now you know you're a few years down the track. What's your sort of preferred distance? So it looks like you're, you're trying to make the 2024 Olympics. You know, you, you know, do you like doing short and fast or is, is sort of the iron distance um, where, where you, you, know, you, you prefer going? Man, I like the iron distance. Um, so, of course, I started off backwards. Like I ended up doing like three halves and then like four, five, five or six fulls. Like I started off super backwards. But then once I jumped in the sprint, man, sprints are hard because you're redlining the entire time. Like it's it's not a game. You don't have any 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 room for error and transition. And you gotta be you gotta be on it. And like there is no find a happy medium. And then just cruise along, and then you pick it up. Nah, you're you're zone five the entire time, man. And so, um, I like the iron distance better. But you know, in order to go to the Paralympics, you gotta be you gotta be phenomenal at at the sprint. So that's what I'm working on. Are you close, or what have you got to do to try to qualify? Um, so, um, it's so for for ITU, it's all about a point system, and you gotta you know, race across the world and get points. Um, me right now, I'm, I'm considered a rookie in this sport right now. And mm. uh, I'm, I'm fairly good. I mean, for my discipline, uh, I just, man, I just got to be the best, man. I just got to, um, I work digital. I just, I work so hard at the swim and the run. Cause those, those are my, that's where I'm going to have to make my ground at is on the swim and the run. The bike is for me, it's sort of like a maintain. Uh, my bike is really, really strong. That's where I just maintain, but the swim and the run is where I really, really got to, uh, I have to, like, I have no choice. I got to run like a sub six high fives to even to be considered, um, to, to even be considered, uh, for the team. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on. So just on functionally, I, I looked at some of your photos and on the bike, you've got like a little device, which kind of makes you have a lengthened arm, which gives you your balance. Right. Um, for right. running, do you, because I can imagine there's a bit of a balance thing with the different lengthened arms and, and just what's it like to swim? What's a bit different about how you have to go about things in the swim and the run? Well, so I try to make it as, uh, I try to make it as normal as possible. So I freestyle for the swim. Um, you know, my coach is constantly working with me with uh, rotation. Um, and it's just it's just about finding a balance. It's really hard because I know I only know about three other uh, one arm above the elbow amputee uh, triathletes. So I try to watch them swim and everybody has a different swim style. OK, so we just try to adapt to what's best for me right now. Um, I'm doing a regular uh, freestyle stroke and that seems to be working for me. I seem to be getting faster. So that's what we're going to stick with for now and then. Um, the run is always difficult. Um, it, it, man, it's, it's the balance thing. Like I, I keep injuries on my lower body, on the lower, uh, lower half of my body, just because the run is just, when you're off balance, your body yeah. starts to compensate for it. So I, I stay with like a knee injury. Like my IT bands are crazy tight, like most triathletes, but mine's are even more tight just because I'm overcompensating. So like 
um, I keep a right knee injury most of the time. So um, it's really, really hard for me to um, stay really like be consistently running. Um, I mean, just last year I was just running on the track and then next thing I know my knee gave out and I was out for like two months. Um, and it's just all because of how I run. Would an arm device help balance you out? Like if you had like a device, like a, a I don't know, like a fake arm. Um, yeah. Have, yeah. Did, yeah. Yeah. I've, so, so some of the uh, Paralympic track guys, they run with a device on their arm because that weight dis- distribution yeah. helps them run. But so for, so in Ironman, I actually run with that. So in Ironman, I actually have time to put that stuff on. But oh, in a sprint, okay. yeah. in a sprint, man, I don't have any time to yeah. like put that stuff on because I'm, I'm above the elbow. So it's so hard for me to try to put that stuff on and still be, you know, yeah. seconds yeah. in the transition versus a couple of minutes. I mean, my first sprint, I tried to put on a, I, well, I put on a prosthetic for the bike because um, it wasn't attached to my bike at the time. And it literally took me like three and a half minutes to get out of transition. And that's, okay. that's crazy long for a sprint mm. um one of the you, you were sort of joking about it before when you did your first race you know the black guy jumping into the water and, and the and the kayaks surround you um you know you've been it sounds like you've been pretty active in the the black lives matter movement yeah. in triathlon how can we actually mm. try to make a difference because it's a very very white sport and um and what can we do as listeners as, as people involved to try to you know, make our sport, you know, a lot more diverse. Man, uh, to be honest, so, I mean, yes, you're right. It's, it's a very, it's a very, very white sport. Um, we do have uh, black triathletes, but it's, it's so few, far in between. Um, so, I mean, I did, so I created a, a nonprofit literally in less than 42 days. Um, I had my own nonprofit called Swim, Bike, Run for Equality. And it's, I feel like what we need to do is, it's, it's about inclusion. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, like triathlons is already daunting enough as they, as it is. Um, but I mean, I've been to races where, I mean, there, some people, the, it's just not a very welcoming sport if you're not already in that crowd. So, um, and just, I mean, it's just like everything else, man. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that um, it's, it's so much easier to love everybody than to hate somebody, yeah. you know, and, um, for me, equality stands for everything. It, no matter what gender you identify yourself with, no matter where you're from in the world, no matter what race, uh, ethnicity you are, or you know, whatever. Like it just skinny, tall, fat. It doesn't matter. Like it just it's too easy just to accept them for who they are and not be so judgmental and think you're above and beyond everybody else. Man, um, triathlon is a beautiful sport. I love it. I've grown so much as a person um, inside from triathlon. Um, it's definitely transformed my, like my life as, as I continue to grow as a man. And um, I just think it's, it would be a shame if we don't start being more mindful on, you know, inclusion in this sport and, and allowing diversity. Um, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal, I love this sport. And I introduced this sport to everybody I know. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I created uh, my uh, nonprofit is so that I could introduce this sport to minorities and inner city youth. Because I know myself, I, I didn't even know what a triathlon was all the way up until I, like in my thirties because it was just one a part of my world. It wasn't. It was never introduced to me. And being in Dallas, Texas, 
I mean, it's not that's not one of the sports. I mean, Texas, it's a football state. It's known for football. So, you know, triathlon is not heavily uh I guess produced or heavily uh publicized where I'm from. So I'm just trying to do my part on uh putting triathlon out there on the map in the in the minority community. Um and it's it's funny that, you know, as I'm trying to do this, um, I have more white supporters than I do black supporters trying to do this. So um, one of my spills is it's not only on the white community to accept us, it's on the, the black community, the Hispanic community, it's on the other, it's on the minority community as well to get behind what we truly believe in. Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean that they can say, oh, well, you know, Mike, you know, he's doing it, so we'll just let him do it. Now, it doesn't really work like that. Like, we have to jump on board and and commute and continue to to promote each other and get into the sport. And it's just not this sport, man. It's just it's just how the world is right now. You know, um, people are scared to step outside of that box and, and stand for what they believe in and stand on their own. And that's not me. You know, I I truly believe in uh, equality and I don't I'm not going to conform to what the world thinks I should be um just because I'm I'm black and I have one arm like I'm not that doesn't mean anything to me I'm gonna do what I want to do and I'm gonna stand for what's right and I'm gonna promote for what's right and I'm gonna continue to strive for 2024 and I'm gonna continue to to be the best version of myself and uh yeah man that's just who I am as a person and it's just how I go just just on on do you think there's racism in that sport um You know, man, I don't know. I that that word is really harsh. You know what I mean? Like racism, that word that racism to call somebody racist or to say something is, you know, say somebody's, you know, surrounding themselves with racism, like that's like the word rape to me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's that's a super harsh word. And do I believe racism is in the sport? I mean, racism is all the way is all around us, you know what I mean? So I don't think it's sports specific. I think it's more about inclusion. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about um, how it, who is it, who, who sport is available to. Um, I talked to two young men yesterday um, when I was at the lake swimming and they had no idea what triathlon was. They knew what swim, cycling and running was, but they didn't know what it was included. And that's because they were from Denver, the inner city of Denver, and it hasn't been offered to them. So they didn't know what it was. So I think at the end of the day, it's about inclusion. Um, yes, I think we should divide, uh, diversify the sport. And I think that's up to USAT and Ironman by promoting it in uh, in, in different communities. Yeah, Because um, the thing that's always been great, it's particularly about long course triathlon. It is so inclusive. You know, it is that dream that an every, everyday person can achieve, you know, and right. you, you do go to an Ironman, sure, you've got your elite field, but it's it's everyday people. And that's what's so inspirational about it. And it makes other everyday people realize it's possible. And I think, as you say, it's about showing, exposing that to different communities that to help them realize right. that this is something in your life that can help bring the best out of you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we know you use um, UCAN. How did you come across UCAN and um, how do you sort of use it in your, you know, your daily training and racing, et cetera? Man, so 
you know, there's a lot of companies out here. You, I mean, you guys know there's a, a huge amount of nutrition companies out here that that are always throwing a product around and just saying, hey, like whatever the case is. But man, um, I was actually here in uh, Colorado. I've well, let me take that back. I was in Kentucky, um, and a local running store was carrying you can, and I was looking for a nutritional source to help me get through my training. And the guy that owned this particular um, running store didn't do a very good job on selling you can to me. All he said was, no lie, I can't make this up. All he said to me was, hey, do you know Meb? And I was like, not personally, but I know who he is. He was like, since you're looking for a nutritional source, and you know, you guys have the same cultural background. You should try it. I was like, what? I was like, are you serious? So because another black guy uses this product, you think I should use it. Yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> Man, this world is crazy. So naturally at the beginning, that drew that took me away from you, Ken. And he gave me a couple of uh sample packets. Once again, he didn't do a good job on selling it to me and telling me how to use like nothing. So when I first like use it. I put it on my bike, and you know there, that you can is used for. It's it's great for running or pre workout or after workout, but it's not good for like legitimately for me on a bike because I can't let go and shake it up so it doesn't oh. chalk up at the bottom. So it wasn't good for me. So I just remember saying, "Man, this is not this is not the product for me." But then fast forward, I got here to uh, Colorado Springs, and a young lady. Um, a nutritionist at Lifetime Fitness here in Colorado Springs turned me on to it. And um, she asked me, what was I using and things of that. And she told me, you can. And I told her immediately, I was like, if you say one word about med, I'm walking out. <laughs> like, I do not want to hear it. And she was like, no, no. She was like, no. She was like, let me tell you. So she started giving me like the nutritional facts about it and uh, just telling me like how it, you know, how it lasts through your training and how I'll feel. So I was like, okay, well, I'll try it, bro. It took like one time of me um, taking the taking you came before I started, and uh, yeah, she gave me a sample packet. Then she gave me like a discount code, and I started using a discount code for downstairs to purchase the tub. And it's been like all she wrote since then. I that's all I use. I mean, before my swims, like that's like breakfast for me. So I'm in the water every single morning by five o'clock. Um, that like breakfast for me. It's crazy. Like I go with two you can uh, canisters, like with uh, drinks. So I have one. I'm drinking half of one before I even get to the water, and then I have it on my swim. So when I take my little short breaks on the wall, I'll like I'm drinking you can, and then I normally go right into strength. So like I swim from like five to six thirty, and my strength starts at seven. So in between then, I'm having a you can bar and I'm drinking more you can to get me through my session. So before most people get up, like most triathletes, we've already done like two or three training sessions before people even have their first couple coffee. So, yeah, man, you can has been like you can has been like everything to me, man. And like uh, Mr. Branch Matthew, man, he Mr. Yeah, he just I don't know, like he I reached out to him about like to talk to him about my story and this, that, and the other. And, you know, Matthew, man, he, um, like he's, he's a solid dude. Like he, he's, he's spirited about triathlon and he's spirited about you can. And that's what, that's one of the reasons that makes me want to do it because 
it started off like super grassroots, man, and they really believe in it. And their story, how they even started was, it wasn't for like the traditional athlete. It was to help save somebody's life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, how can you not like, how can you not want to get behind something like that? How can you not want to uh, be a fan of you can? This is like, they started off to help save people, like help save, a, I believe it was a young little girl who couldn't take in the nutrition she needed and you can came around and like literally saved this young lady's life. So yeah, I mean, how can you not get behind that again? And so here I am, yeah, like a super fan of uh, you can, a tri uh, can athlete, you know, so here I am. Brilliant. Oh, you've got a great story. You've kept yeah. us very entertained. So if, if people want to follow you um, or get involved in, in what you're doing, um, give us your, your little plug in terms of where they can find you and um, Facebook or, or other sort of um, social media, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, so I have so many, like I have a lot of pages, like pro pages, just like most of the triathletes out there. But I want people to find me on my swim, bike, run for equality page. So that's exactly how it sounds. It's one, swim, bike, run for equality, the number four. And uh, I mean, I'm one of the co-founders on that page. So you'll see myself on there and Kelly and Lolly. But that's how I want people to find me because I, I really believe in my movement. It's a, it's a movement, not a moment. So, you know, that's a, it's a part of my life right now or forever. From this point forward, it's a part of my life, this and triathlon. So, yeah, that's how I want people to find me. Brilliant. Awesome. Thanks so yeah. much for your time. And, and thanks for thanks for persevering. We had Zoom problems at the start, so thanks for persevering, mate. You're a bloody star. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you guys are awesome. I love your accents. <laughs> Being from Texas. Awesome. Being from Texas, I love your accents. Uh, uh, I went to Texas once. It was, hey, y'all. I love y'all. It was, hey, y'all. Oh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. My coach has a heavy accent like that too. Justin Troll is my coach, so he has a heavy accent. Oh, and uh, one story, yeah, one story. So when he talks to me, uh, I lean forward and I squint my eyes, and he goes, "Why do you always do that?" He's like, "I know that you really can't understand me, but by leaning forward and squinting your eyes is not going to make you better." <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mikey. You have a great day. Yeah, keep doing that and keep me working. Thanks, great work. I appreciate it. Thanks, mate. All See right. ya. John, your thoughts? Oh, that was gold worth the wait. <laughs> that for your first triathlon. Oh, I, that is bizarre. It is bizarre. Could you just try Especially to... with swimming. Try to imagine, and it's different for us because we came from sporting backgrounds, but try to imagine just turning up at a half Ironman, thinking, yeah, I can do the bike, and then on the race day, you know, you're doing the swim, and then you do the run. I just think that is bizarre. And obviously, you only got one arm as well. It's crazy. Inspirational man. I, I love that thing of you know the loss of the arm helped him kind of rediscover really that higher level self, and and it's and you know that triathlon experience is is it, that does, it gives that to people, doesn't it? Mm. You know, it's one of the beauties of our sport. So uh, I'll put a link to where you can follow Michael on our show notes. Jombo, John's Product Review Centre. Oh, okay. You put the head of the John's in there. Well, yep. because two weeks in a row and it's I haven't had the benefit of any of these products. So, <laughs> so that's why it's John's. Uh, so this week, some of you may have seen on my Facebook page, I've got a new bike. It's called a Cube Lightning. And rather than just uh, say 
it's got this, this and this on it. I was gonna, I thought I'd just try to explain it's got this, this and this on it and why it's actually got those uh, bits and pieces. So if you bike nerds, this is going to be telling you to sort of suck eggs because you're going to know a lot of this stuff. But it has got quite a few features, the old new bike, uh, and you might be going, well, what does that actually mean? So it's called a Cube Lightning and uh, I was showing Bevan and my bike as we came into the studios earlier today. Um, so one of the first features is really funky, it's got a fully integrated uh, carbon handlebar. And what does that mean? It means that the handlebar and stem are kind of all in one and all the cables are hidden. So normally on your bike, you know, you've got your handlebar stem and you can make that as long or as short as you like. And then that attaches to your handlebars, a little bit different on TT bikes. So this is a road bike I should uh, mention. Uh, so it's all in one handlebar and uh, handlebar stem and it's also very light and very aerodynamic. And the only downside of it is there is less adjustability to go forward and back, um, but in terms of everything else sort of trumps that in terms of being lightweight, aerodynamic, and most of all, looks really funky. It does, it's a cool design, and I love the paint job. Mm, it's really, really nice cool. Yeah. Um, next thing up, uh, in terms of some of the componentry, it's got SRAM Force ETAP. Um, now, if you don't know what ETAP is or DI2, um, DI2 is the Shimano version of electronic shifting, ETAP is the SRAM version, uh, and so electronic shifting, you know, if you've got a road bike, a lot of you guys will be used to having the uh, the brake levers with the STI, where you kind of just shift the brake lever across and that's going to change your gears, you know, up your cassette, and then you press the button, the other button, and then you come sort of down the cassette. So electronic shifting is, is pretty similar, um, but it's just you've got little buttons there, so you don't actually have to make much of a movement, you just tap that button and uh, it's going to move your gears which uh, makes it really easy and the difference between um, DI2 which I had on my previous bike and ETAP is uh, it's kind of like comparing Apple with PC um, yep. and so I just kind of feel like I've gone from PC to an Apple version it's a bit more intuitive Bevan <laughs> <laughs> and so the <laughs> he's giving me shit there the difference with uh, this ETAP that I've got is instead of moving your rear cassette with just your right hand where you sort of go up and down the difference is with your right where you can switch this around you go up your cassette on one side and down your cassette on the other so for me I've got it set up so with my right hand if I tap that it's going into easier gears and with my left hand uh, it's making it harder gears and then to go up and down the big chain ring you press both buttons together and that it, does cause, that because like, our car broke down a couple of weeks ago and we borrowed the auntie in law's car because she has two cars and she doesn't need them. Uh, and our house, it's America, it's a Ford, mm. but it's got the indicators of like a European car. Oh, yes, yes. And so, oh my God, you get so confused when you mm -hmm. go into another car. And then when you go back to your car, and I've done like two days. So was it pretty confusing at first? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've only had two rides on it. And when I was out riding on Sunday, yes, I was pressing the wrong button. Yeah. And, and I was going, whoop, meant to go harder gear and easier gear. But it, it, again, it's one of those things. Once you go to uh, electronic shifting, you're going, oh, I couldn't go back now to, yeah, to CI shifting. It is it is fantastic, uh, as long as you keep your battery charged, which isn't really that hard. Um, the other different thing about this bike that I've got, it's uh, 12 speed, um, and the... Uh, it's kind of obvious, as, as you go through the gears, a lot of you may still be riding on 10 speed bikes, um, but obviously 11 speed has been around for, for quite some time now, and then uh, we're sort of shifting towards 12 speed. So what I've got is on the front chain ring, it's a 3548 um, chain rings. Normal bikes, um, regular sort of gearing is a 3952, so that means 39 teeth on your small chain ring, 52 on your big one. So quite different because you've got more variability across your rear cassette, uh, and compact cranks 
are normally 34.50, so it's kind of in between compact cranks and regular gearing, and the reason you can do that is you've got a much bigger spread on your rear cassette. So a regular cassette, you, you know, if you've got uh, 10 or 11 speed, you're probably going to have an 11 tooth um, sprocket as your smallest, and then it's probably going to go up to you know, maybe a 23, 25, something like that, unless you're on um, compact cranks. The difference here is I go 10 to 30 in that cassette. So when you've got more gears, whether you're going from 10 to 11 or 10 to 11 to 12 or 10 to 12, um, obviously it means you've got a bigger spread of gears, but you can also have your gears packed a lot tighter. So if you're out there cranking it along on the, on the flat, um, when you make those gear shifts, you're only moving one tooth rather than two, uh, which makes a really big difference if you're trying to do some intervals and trying to hold a particular power output um, you know you can have big cadence swings between uh, but when you have two gear shifts so really cool to have some some to have 12 speed on there um, the wheels I've got on there which make it nice and light I've got some uh, uh, sort of 38 millimeter carbon rims and then the disc brakes um, which is something I haven't experienced before on a road bike what's it like uh, like because you got here on the mountain bike, it it just means you're going to get um, it's better for performance. You know, your, your braking is is a lot quicker and and can be a lot harder. And the real test is going to be when you're riding in the wet. Then it's going to be a lot more responsive. When you're riding in the wet and you're just on the rim brakes, then you know your rims kind of got to dry off a bit before you actually start to get some purchase on there. So that's where the disc brakes are really going to going to help a lot. So yeah, one thing you do have to be aware of when you when you're getting disc brake wheels is you've got the through axle uh, so that's going to cause some challenges for a lot of people if you've got an older trainer like I've got a, one of the first generation Wahoo kickers they don't sort of have a through axle um, option so uh, so you yeah, do, do just factor that in if you're buying any sort of um, uh, disc brake bike um, you may have some challenges with your smart trainer yep um, overall, I think it's 7.7 kgs, which is nice and light. That's uh, 7.6, 7.7, something like that. Uh, all in all, um, really cool. I mean, with, with this bike, the difference between the bike I was on and the one that I've got now is essentially one of the key differences. You, you kind of, A, you're buying a bike that looks really cool, yep, yep. but you're just getting free speed. Hey, that's the main difference. <laughs> yeah, let's free speed. You know, it's significantly more aerodynamic from the handlebars. There's no cable, exposed cables or anything like that. free speed. I know you can't really give me a number, but what do you reckon? I, I don't know because I haven't done any testing whatsoever, and so I, I can't give you a number because I haven't looked into it myself. Um, so yeah, you, you're definitely getting more. Free. You just need to look at it, and you're going. You guarantee more speed there. Um, and then the other big thing I've noticed with this bike, after granted only two rides, really nice and stiff. So what that means when you've got a stiff frame, if you sort of jump out of your seat when you're going up a climb, a lot more responsive, and you really feel like you're kicking up the climb nicely. So yeah. N equals two for two rides. So far, so good. Um, but I am look. I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to going for a ride in the rain. Um, but when we're on, say, uh, Epic Camp or something like that, and it's pissing down, and we're coming down some big mountain, looking forward to the performance of the disc brakes there, and then looking forward to actually doing. I'm hopefully going to be doing a draft legal sprint race over summer. So looking forward to seeing nice. how it performs in that. Old school. That's right. Where's it going to be? Down in Timaru, part of our national series. So hopefully I'll. I did uh, the Timaru Triathlon. Yeah, it's dif different now. Yeah. I still, mm. I ran pretty fast that day. I think I got the record. Nice. <laughs> In the run. So check it out, it's Cube Lightning. Um, and we're going to have a picture today. We'll put it on our Facebook page on the website as well. And yeah, I thought, take a picture with the bike and you'll actually get to see the, the view that we have from Bevan's Place, uh, which we often talk about each week. Today's weather forecast, clear and sunny, and the mountains have got a little bit of snow on them. It's disappearing, but isn't it? It is disappearing we're in like fast. the second week of August. 
Okay, John. Well, uh, two bikes. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want to look or check out that photo for this week. If you're cool. if you're Kiwis and you want to check it out, go to um, bicycleconcepts.co.nz. It's a shop down in Timaru, and they are the cube distributor for New Zealand. And I imagine they ship ship through the country. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, John. Wanger of the week. Let's have a look at it. Number one wanger of the week. Let's gonna say twelve. Why twelve? Yeah, I just pulled out my butt. Okay, yep. number 12, who we got there? We Vicky Nilon, uh, she went 20 hours and 26 minutes of training or 15 activities. She's nice Her pool's obviously Vicky. open in her area. She swam 2 hours 26, rode 10, 20, 10 hours and 25 minutes, 7 hours and 34 minutes of running. Uh, let's have a look where Vicky is from. How much training did you do last week, Bevan? I did a run on Friday. I found a beautiful, I went running with Porno last weekend. And you got Pariel. And then you kind of go behind on the dyer's crater rim behind, heading yep. towards Sugarloaf. Yeah. And then they've done these all these awesome trails. So you kind of, I used to just go up to Harry and then run along Summit. But now these beautiful, all these trails. So I did that again. It was probably about an hour 15. Then I uh, did a run on Sunday. And then lots of gym classes. Nice. Yep. So Vicky Nealon, uh, she is from rugby in England. In oh, the United Kingdom. Uh, and she looks like she's had a pretty consistent time since uh, all the sort of COVID stuff's kicked off. So from January on, she's sort of just sort of gone. February was she's gone. Let's see what she's done there. But, but her little graph there goes: January, February, March, April, every, and, and into May. Every month was more on more, nice. and then it's just tailed off a little bit through June and July. Um, but she's been cranking it. So from rugby, in the last four weeks she's done sixty-one activities. Mm. Jeepers creepers, the girl's a beast. Pretty fast runner. She's done a 120 half marathon and a, what is it, me? No, no, no. She's done a 249 marathon. Nice. That is, they're smoking. Is that estimated times though or is that? Estimated uh, best efforts. Estimated. But it looks like it's pretty consistent across. So it's got a 5K, 15.43. 5K, 15.43, that's moving. And then a 37.50, a 10. A 120 half, a 149, you know, like, they're probably not 100% accurate, but she's obviously an ex-runner. Yeah. Well, I, I run 12.42 for my 5K, and four, but a 4.05 marathon, so that doesn't quite compute. Yeah, see, I, yeah. I do get her, but only just. Nice. 4.05 marathon. Yep. Struggling. Up. And Vicky's longest ride, she's done 181.3 kilometres, uh, and biggest climb, 1,246. I get the feeling Vicky's a bit of an ex. Right. I, I reckon... Don't mess with Vicky. There you go. Questions and answers. We've got one from Facebook. When did you check out a Facebook post? Oh, I was just happened to be on there and saw somebody had sent us through a little... Uh, a little Never Ian message Banks. us on Facebook. We don't check it. Yeah, we, yep. And, and, but Ian Banks said, please invite Joe Skipper onto the show to talk about his beast of a ride. Have you done that? Uh, and I haven't done that, but he did the UK National 12-hour TT Champs. He won, and he did, he did some crazy time, crazy fast, crazy crazy power outputs. Okay, Joe, Joe's on, on fire. Show. Get on the show. Okay, John and Bevan, this is from Lucy Francis. The Olympic distance triathlete that took place on Sunday in Germany, the Leipzig, uh, with reduced numbers to 400 in total and weighs of 25 and competed to setting off one-minute intervals. I've only skimmed the article, but you can put Google Translate if you want to find out more. So basically, so, there is a race happening, and, she, and we have got the outlaw. This is a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah, all happening in September. So there are some races happening. Uh, the social distancing thing at the racing—it's not really. Uh, I looked at this and how they started the events, but then like the race announcer at the end was high fiving all the finishers and stuff, yeah. and I was like, uh, yeah. 
Okay, uh, good old Jason Hardrath has got here. What is a picnic? I will save this one for next week, Bevan. Okay, we'll I'll, get to I'll, later. I'll copy that uh, one. Mick Simpson, do you want to do that one? Alex yes. Yee? Okay, this is pretty impressive. So we've been talking about our young fella, Hayden Wild. Mm-hmm. What did he run? What did he run? He did uh, just under eight minutes for three Ks. Okay. So I think I think it was seven fifty nine. It was seven fifty nine, seven fifty seven. I think from from last week. So her, her road race. I actually watched this. The mixing was through. They sent through a link to uh, a road race that was happening or a track race that was happening in the UK over the weekend. And Alex G beat the no, another guy beat him. So the guy beat the record. But Alex G actually beat the five k world rec- uh, road race record for the UK. UK. Yes. No, he doesn't hold it because the other guy beat him. But it was what was it, something like thirteen twenty eight or something stupid like that. Yeah, uh, so it was. You said it was track race, road race. It was, it was kind of it wasn't in the middle. It seemed like there was a one k circuit that it they were doing. It was like a racing car track, didn't it? Yeah, um, but it's just goes to show stellar. Uh, there was several triathletes that went extremely fast, but it just goes to show how fast they're running. So Alex Yee ran, yeah, I think it was thirteen twenty six, which yep. is epically fast. Oh my, oh my god! Really, really fast. Well, it was a, it was a record. Yeah, you know, um, okay, no, another guy beat him, but that's that's a runner. But equally impressive, uh, we'll talk about the females in a minute because that was uh, equally as impressive, if not more impressive, than Beth Potter. Um, but then you had him running that extremely fast time, but then you had several others. You had Johnny Brownlee in there as well, uh, and he ran 13.40-something. Uh, and Sheld, uh, Sheld, the guy Sheldon also from the UK, who, who he was right up there as well, and Dick Dixtra from the UK was, was a similar sort of time as well, all that sort of 13.40-ish time. That's um, there's a lot of guys going fast. So, now, wait a second, so Hayden, what, okay, eight minutes for three k. What's it going to translate to into a? It's, okay, it, it it's not as it's not as fast as um, what Alex G went, but it's pretty in the same. It's similar to what okay, um, Johnny Brownlee and stuff went. So it was bloody impressive. Um, but I've got to so say, so Hayden was exactly eight minutes. I think I think it was seven fifty nine. Okay, it's going to translate to. But I've already done this. It translates to being slower than what uh, Alex G ran. So I think it's more in line with uh, what Johnny Brownlee etc ran. So uh, on the. Uh, Alex Yee Who's went 13.26, Ben Dick Dykstra went 13.44, Johnny Brownlee 13.46 and Grant Sheldon 13.51. Equally impressive, uh, if not more so on the females, Beth Potter, who's also a triathlete, uh, she went 15.24 for the 5k and she broke the record as well. Uh, so all in all... We talk about Hayden Wild, we talk about these guys, uh, we look at the um, even the, the VR racing and seeing how fast Ironman athletes are going. There's a lot of people going fast now and, and I guess the reason for it is that getting these opportunities to see what they, how fast they can go and theoretically the middle of the season, whereas yeah, they, they wouldn't normally yeah, get point. the opportunity to, to run a 5k when they're in their peak condition. They might run some in winter as sort of uh, base training and, and just doing some general racing. But a lot of these guys are probably going to be in really good shape and, and trying to get ready for some races. So cool to see. It is awesome, isn't it? I love it. Mm. I just you know, and what does that translate to in the next period of time in triathlon? We've got these young up and comers mm. who are just smoking it. Mm. Um, did, did Brownlee when Brownlee come along? Because like Alex Hayden, these guys have got a chink in their armor. Did mm. Brownlee have any chink in his armor? Well, which one are you talking about? Um, Alistair. Alistair. Yeah, because he's. Not really. I mean, his only chinks was when he first started out as, as a very young athlete. Uh, he just didn't quite have the endurance to handle it for the Olympic distance. So his first few Olympic races, he was right up there at, at the front, like at the Olympics in uh, Beijing. He was right up there. Oh, I forgot to do my Olympic special this week. We'll save that for next week. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't quite have the endurance to keep going for, for the full two hours. But he sorted that out, and once he got that sorted, 
no no weakness whatsoever. His only downside was maybe a couple of times in the heat that he struggled. But um, he had no, no athlete weakness. Like he didn't go, oh, you know, the swim. Like, you know, Alex Yee and Hayden Wilder, you're going to go, oh, not they're, really. they're going to yeah. get in that, you know, good pack. He you was know, just a complete package, wasn't he? He was indeed. I know he's not retired yet, but do you think he's going to get to the Olympics? No. <laughs> Don't delay any thoughts on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, just got another one here from sent through from um, uh, Mike. How does that one Parrot? Mike Parrot. Yep. Uh, he's just got the, the slow twitch. We've got quite a few articles with the PTO right now, but there's one in particular inside the birth of the PTO, and it's with Charles. We've actually had Charles on the show, um, and so if you want to go back and listen to an interview of him, it's also good as well. But slow twitch seems to be doing lots of interviews with the PTO. Also, the PTO have their own little hub now. We can go and get lots of content. From yeah, if you're, if you're trying to find some content just while you're mucking around the trainer, just lots and lots of interviews, and they're trying to make them sort of fun uh, interviews and, and not sort of just your standard question answer type thing. And yeah. often athletes are just just discussing things between themselves. Uh, so That's yeah, re- really doing some good things. But yeah, lots of PTO interviews on Slow Twitch. Um, I noticed they had um, Tim O'Donnell on there. They also had Rachel Joyce, and then I saw today they, they had a few more. I know you think Kona's happening next year. I know you're guaranteeing it's, it's happening. happening. But if it doesn't happen and the PTO put a race on mm. the same weekend somewhere in the world mm. and then the next year they do the same thing. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, no, it wouldn't be great. I'd like to see both survive and and uh, but they've got do you? an opportunity. Uh, both can't, can they? Uh, I don't see any reason why you can't have a, you know, a, a fantastic championship race, you know. Twice in the season? No, but it's not a championship race. But if we look at... I don't see Ironman staying the model it's in right now if PTO becomes strong. Because mm. if the PTO comes strong, what Ironman offers, pros aren't going to go there. It's true. May become more age group only. don't know. And then does it lose its luster? Well, they seem to do fine at age group only racing. I think uh, in a macro level, yes, it would. But like when you, when you do have those races that are age group only... Yes, they do lose a little bit of their luster, but they still seem to get pretty good sized fields. Yeah, but I wonder if uh, I, get, I, t- I agree. I'm okay, just hold on. We've, the, see, we've just got another. We, we get these through all the day. Update on the 2020 Ironman St. George. We postponed the St. George Triathlon. Yeah. It's original date in May. John, no surprise. We felt confident we'd be able to deliver yeah, the event. It ain't we get this Unfortunately, every day, John. it's not happening. Is that, is that news? No. My, my, my discussion, you've ruined my discussion here. Yeah. I just wonder in the long term. Does it lose its luster if pros really aren't involved in the sport? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, we're interested. Whether they can both two, two of them survive? But then you go, you know, you go tennis. It's just they've got a pro league, mm. and then lots of people have to do tennis. Not competitively necessarily, though, do they? You bet. Not I many age groups. Not competitive. Mm. Yeah. So we, I just think we. I think we're in a. If PTO can take off, I think we're in, a, in twenty years from now. This will be a, one of those moments where we go, wow, that's sport changed massively in this moment mm-hmm. COVID obviously with what's happening in the, you know, the, the selling of the sport uh, but also the PTO seems to be going in the right direction mm-hmm. and what does that mean in the long term it's pretty fascinating stuff okay John let's get it team let's get into it get, let's get excited because it's the highlight of the week we missed it last week it's back today John's swim set from this morning uh, started out with a 400 warm up doing 50 metres freestyle 25 metres backstroke 25 metres breaststroke just repeating that through four times and then we did some people call it a ladder some people call it a pyramid we went 100 steady, 100 moderately hard, 200 steady, 200 moderately hard, 300 steady, 300 moderately hard, 400, 400, 300, 300, 200, 200, 100, 100, 200 warm down, and we rounded out a nice 3.8k swim, so that was a basically did an Ironman. Hardcore. We are hardcore. You did an Ironman? 
We did 3.8. Go do my 180 now after this. <laughs> okay. uh, after this, then bang out a marathon this afternoon. Okay, if you do that, I'll give you 100 bucks. <laughs> right. I'm pretty generous, I am. Okay, let's do the patrons. John, you go first. Liz Elastigirl Verhayden. And I've got Simon, the official marshal. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> and <laughs> Melissa Bigfoot Erie. Now, we've got a new one here, Pike Redden. He's got, my name is John, but uh, I've had the name Pike since I was a kid in England, originally from Yorkshire. Uh, left in 1985 to live in New Zealand and Australia for three years when I was backpacking around the world, which took five years. Now, that's backpacking. Mm-hmm. John and I, our goal is in early 50s to take a year off and travel around the world. Mm-hmm. Not five years. Uh, one of my best mates is from Christchurch. I've been living in Lake Tahoe in the US for 30 years, married with a teenage daughter. To my first triathlon, the Wildflower in 1992. Finished 30 iron distance races. 30? Ne- yeah, I reckon. Uh, knee surgery 18 months ago. Has halted my running. Hope to make a comeback next year. Uh, I'm a swim. I am a swim cyclist at the time. Signed up for the World Cup 24-hour TT in October. Never raced anything longer. Nine men so excited to take on a new challenge. Now, John, I've got an idea, but you, you might want to have one as well. No, I'm impressed. He's doing. I am impressed. Uh, Pike's done 30 Ironmans, and impressed he's going for a 24-hour TT challenge. It's, well, that takes Pike sent through a photo, yep. and you look at those guns, mate. Yep. Pike has got some guns, and I wouldn't miss for Pike. So I'm, I want to go, Pike. I'm going to knock you out. Okay. Because yeah. I thought boxer, he looks like a boxer. Look at those guns. I'm more going down the fish sort of route because Pike, you know, Pike's a fish. But um, we can. Okay. Well, you can go there. I think. I think probably like I'm going to knock you out more than the fish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but tell you what, team, Pike's an example of make sure you do some bicep curls when you do some training because <laughs> he has got some guns on him. And uh, so Pike, you are Pike. I'm going to knock you out. Riding, love it. Uh, riding with Hamish. Oh, uh, that's just a reminder for me. Yep. Karen, what have you been up to, Bevan? Okay, John, let's do that. Let's wrap things up. Sponsors, you can remember it's the... What do we call it? Sports Nutrition that gives you longer-lasting nutrition energy without the spike and crash, and we get a discount. We do. So we get 15% off um, at the following stores, generationucam.com, smartperformancenutrition.ca, generation youcan.com.au or superstarch.co.nz and then you get 10% off at generationyoucan.co.uk so fantastic product as you heard from Michael uh, I get lots of really positive feedback from uh, athletes that um, I advise to take it and then they get on it and it just gives you that you can go out for long sessions. You don't have those spikes up and down and uh, love it. So check it out yeah, at those you websites. You know what? It's one of those things. That it's a product that seems to create the converted. Mm. You know what I mean? Once people do it, they actually seem to really love it. Okay, if you want to get the show emailed to you, down the bottom of imtalk.me, just put your details in. Also, that's where you can become a patron, support the boys in the show like Pike. I'm going to knock you out riding. Um, then we've also got coaching. If you want some coaching from Coach John Newsom, just go to coachjohnnewsom.com. Uh, my podcast, I released a new episode with a world-leading fitness professional called Matt Thraxton on Monday, yesterday. So you can check that out at bevanjamesiles.com. Other content such as Age Group of the Week, cool websites and other feedback just go to imtalkpodcast at gmail and email us there. Uh, John, first of all, oh no, we can talk about that after. Um, riding with Hamish. Oh, this wasn't a big deal. You oh. made a big deal out of it now. Well, you put it there. <laughs> well, I just, as a reminder, because I hadn't remembered Hamish's uh, nickname. So I went out for a ride with the Holy Hammer at the weekend. Yeah. It was on a new bike. It was negative three when we started riding. It was a little bit fresh. So Saturday morning? Sunday. 
and turned out to be beautiful. We started in the dark at 6.45, and then, um, yeah, absolutely beautiful day. Uh, so I was out there. First time I met Hamish, uh, I never hit the wall. Um, and oh, the, that's a great the holy hammer. That's, yeah. So it's Hamish Wall, I yep. never hit the... Oh, I never hit the wall. Jeez, we know now, nickname's wall. And he's, uh, he, yeah, he's the first time I've ridden. I've ridden with him on Zwift several times, but never um, never out in real life, so that was all good. Um, Bevan, I watched a bit of sport yesterday. Did you watch the Warriors? Before. Didn't watch the Warriors, but um, I've watched. Quite it's painful team. watching somebody capitulate. I didn't. I wasn't oh, watching watching Lydia it yesterday. Cohen. We had a golf uh, golf tournament on. Uh, it was in the you know, the women's LPGA, and we've got a golfer. She used, she got an Olympic silver medal. Was world number one. Came team, out of nowhere. Very prodigy. young and dominated the sport. And the last couple of years, fallen off the wagon. Yeah, and yesterday she was leading going into the final round. She got into the about the. 14th hole she had a five stroke lead so I thought I'll jump on this and I just had it playing while I was working and she just capitulated and I shouldn't laugh it was it was it was really hard to watch especially on the last hole she double bogeyed she went from a five stroke lead to losing by one stroke on the last hole on the last hole she lost five uh, she double bogeyed the last hole she had it and then she um it was on one side of the green, and then it was a really bad light. It was a very difficult shot, but she whacked it, went all the way across the green. Then uh, it was between two bunkers, and then she tried to hit it up onto the green from there. It went up, rolled straight back down oh, the bunker. No. And it was just like, oh my god, what is who was it? Greg on? Norman was it? Greg Norman? Who was, yeah, was the shark? He was, and he, yeah. had a, he had one like that, didn't he? And that's it just, just not fun to watch. And the, and the problem was, the winner was uh, they were really good friends, and the winner was also on the same hole, and she won it by one stroke. But she didn't really celebrate because our, our Kiwi girl, she, bad for her. she just felt so bad for her. She hasn't won anything in four years and she just capitulated. So that was a bad, bad watch. But we won the rugby. The Crusaders crushed everybody. The, the worst won. loss ever was our America's Cup. Yes. Yeah. That was so, you guys may remember this, but the America's Cup, we, we, we went over to the States. We were trying to win the America's Cup. We were up, you had to win nine. We were yeah, up we're eight, up eight. Yep. And we lost nine, eight. That <laughs> <laughs> was just. <laughs> and it was so depressing. And there was one race where we had won it. But then they ran out of wind, and so oh. if the race didn't finish in a certain period of time, it was, and it was so, now the thing about it was, America's Cup's a funny sport, because you can change your technology. Funny? Is that a good word? <laughs> good no, descriptive word? It's a strange sport, because you can change your technology, it's a bit like car racing, and so they just changed their technology, and they just had a better boat race, yeah. better boat. But then luckily, the great thing is, the next America's Cup, we came back, and no one thought we could win, and we won it, so that mm-hmm. was a good thing. That was, but that was devastating, wasn't it? It was. You have a goss? No, that's it, Bevan. What about you? John, how's your lawn looking? Well, our lawn's not looking great because uh, no we've looked after it, have they? Well, our, our guinea pigs look after it, but they poop everywhere. Um, so good, they, 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 good for the lawn. Yeah, they, their weeing kills the grass as well, so they eat and kill the grass. So we have to just keep moving them around, and so the lawn's not in great shape. Shaping up. Well, I don't want to kill. I, I, you say yes, I've fertilised it, but then I'll kill my poor little guinea pigs. Well, you got Tell you what, I'm not an animal lover, as some people know. And I swear, if I if I you shouldn't have I'm, got I'm not a gun owner, yeah, and I'm, I'm very anti, <laughs> and I'm, I'm very anti, lover, I'm very anti guns. But if I had a gun and I spotted the cats that are shitting all around my house, oh, cats are shitting on, in your house, if, not in the house, but all around the house. I was doing some gardening the weekend. I was like six or seven shits there, and then by a washing line, they're just crapping everywhere. It's never a good line. I'm not this, but I'm also not a gun owner. That's not a great start no. to a to a. So wait a second. So I've got to make do with the water do the gun. kids look after the guinea pigs well. Fairly well. Oh, so it's not your job? No. Could do better. That would be on the report. Could do better. Could improve. How long does a guinea pig live for? Not too long, which is, which is, which is a good thing. <laughs> Just quietly. Once the kids move out, guinea pigs will be gone.
<laughs> Where did they go? Guinea pig heaven. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they don't last. They're not like a dog or cat. They don't, they don't last that long. No, it's, it's just a, it's a fact. So, <laughs> so when the kids move, the yeah. guinea pigs just know to die. They will be in guinea pig years, geriatrics, and yeah. Uh, well, John, my lawn's looking good. Do you know why? Because you don't have one, do you? I've got a massive lawn. I, I haven't, I haven't been uh, oh ex- shown this part of the house. You've had the side there. Never seen it. I believe I've got probably a couple hundred metres, a couple hundred square. A couple of hundred metres. <laughs> yeah, whole thing down there. That's my lawn. Bevan's doing a track workout with his yeah, lawnmower exactly. for the week. What training you done? Well, oh, it was a bit like that on Saturday. Actually, three, 400s pushing the lawnmower. Well, I don't, I don't really mow the lawns over winter. It's mm-hmm. kind of go, and I get a bit patchy. So I do fertilise my lawn, but on the mm-hmm. weekend, John, I aerated my lawns. Mm-hmm. Have you ever aerated your lawns? Can't say I've done that. Do you know what it is? No. You get this little thing, and it kind of looks like a, kind of looks like a bit of a rake. No, not a rake, like a forks. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but you step into it, and you get in. You just put it in the ground, so it puts holes in your lawn. Mm-hmm. Just push it back and forth a little bit, and that what opens up. And because over winter, it all gets compressed with the mm-hmm. rain. Right. And that's why you aerate your lawn. Yep. And then you put your fertilizer on afterwards. John, my lawn's looking good. Okay. Might have to borrow Tell you what. Lawn. What's that? Might have to borrow your aerator. You can't borrow my Tell you what, it's a slow. Because I've got so much lawn. <laughs> it took me a while. It took me over an hour. Yeah. Just because you could basically do every kind of 20 centimeters. Yeah. So you just bam, boom, boom, bam, boom, boom. But listen to a bit of podcast when I was doing it. But mm-hmm. so nothing beats when you look out your window and your lawn's got a good lawn. It's a man thing. Yeah. I do admit I'm not much of a gardener, but that because my office looks over my my lush lawn now, mm-hmm. it's just satisfaction, John. Nice, it's just satisfaction. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.